Welcome to the Pilot Boys Podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. And here are your hosts, Vishwant and Partha. Episode 79, we're here, Partha, after a week together um i'm definitely enjoying this time apart i think the last week was pretty pretty productive though we got a lot done and a lot of exciting things that um that we're able to move forward as we always say it's always good to take time out of kind of that distance um partnership and 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 get get in the same area feel each other's energies and magical things happened and it just felt like magical things were happening all of last week and straight into this week. up dude straight up so much good stuff has just come together and you know i can't help but think it's it's when good energy comes in the same room you just it, it magnifies you know what you're able to attract or pull into your life um uh also to the dismay of our producer alex uh we took zero photos together and zero videos together i know <laughs> Didn't even think about that. That yeah, that's not where our minds were at. You know? Yeah. So, um, but I think these moments, the the fact that pictures and video weren't captured, are going to create even better moments uh, for our audience and our listeners uh, down the road. I believe some yeah. exciting things in the works that we'll we're we're hoping to share soon. Couldn't agree more, bro. Couldn't agree more. You know. Um, without further ado uh, let's jump into the news and notes today everybody we have like a really i think what i would call like the most valuable deep dive we've done so far um we're going into the difference between the mindset of an entrepreneur like an owner versus an employee and uh it's uh you know it's it's pretty it's pretty big like the difference in terms of how you think how you live how you work so yeah it is um definitely don't miss that uh, i think there will be some some gems or some value to uh, be able to take back and apply into your life um but in the meantime let's get into some headlines v so let's do it well i set the first one up just for you i seem to be the guy who who's now getting asked about this stuff because i talked about it twice but uh you like to talk about it so we, yeah we, i mean I, I i think it's a good it's a compelling category so psychedelics uh being used for depression um the conversation continues to grow about legalizing these things there's been amazing results uh, all through the bay area and in seattle with several studies that have used um psychedelics to treat depression things like guided trips small doses uh there's been you know a ton of research and actually you know on a personal note i actually was looking at an investment deal of this company um that's uh, i think they're based in like chicago but they do, maybe they're Canadian, they do uh, mushrooms, psilocybin mushroom pills, essentially, that they like prescribe with a treatment regime for like veterans or for people struggling with, with depression or, um, you know, PTSD, whatever it might be. And uh, the, the founder was actually a pro hockey player. And so he used it because after he played hockey for so long, the brain injuries had, had gone so deep he was dealing with really crazy depression and um, psilocybin mushrooms have been shown to increase neurogenesis, which is, um, you know, the development of uh, nerves and, and signaling in the brain and as essentially the development of neural pathways. So long story short, you know, he, I met the guy on zoom and uh, I mean, he was sharp, man. It was really, really mm -hmm. impressive to hear his story and everything he had gone through. So 
Um, you know, I'm I'm a big advocate of this stuff. I think like a lot of the stuff that is illegal is illegal for stupid reasons, right? Like if you really look at the big picture of drugs, anytime you make a substance illegal, you're essentially aiming at a group of people that are using the substance because you're trying to stop the byproduct of what that substance is creating. And when it comes to psychedelics, that's you know, this waking people up, right? But if you look at other drugs, like yeah, you could you could have ruled marijuana illegal in the 90s you know or you could have ruled any heavier drug that has a far worse effect like an opioid illegal but it tends to be that you know the very heavy drugs that pharma puts out are legal and then the natural things that exist in the world are illegal and it's because those natural things tend to create kind of open-mindedness people you know stepping out of the box of just being a citizen or a pawn to you know to a nation and so uh, it's a military threat in in a lot of people's eyes so i think we're starting to unwind that a little bit society is getting more open to people becoming freer thinkers and having different opinions and they're understanding that you know just because somebody sees things or sees a better way that society can run it doesn't mean they're going to destabilize it they're oftentimes trying to help yeah there's a there's a lot of of data and evidence and studies that have been done on the psychedelic specifically uh psychedelic mu- mushrooms um and and the, the the benefits of um the active ingredient um i believe it's was it uh psilocybin is that how you pronounce yep. it correct psilocybin and it's it's effects on treating depression those studies have been long lasting and essentially what happened was this was being studied in the 50s and 60s i think they were going to utilize it as a method for treating depression but then um the hippie generation came out and it became very public in its use um of psychedelics and that kind of that kind of curtailed the progress that was made then and it was deemed illegal and since then, it's kind of had that kind of gray area, I think, where it's uh, people understand that it doesn't have the same addictive or negative health consequences that, say, crack or heroin or opioids do. Um, but like you said, they, it's still considered a drug that takes you out of your normal state. Um, and I do believe, you know, um, that the experience needs to be done and and absorbed through an understanding of what you're doing and where you're heading, right? Because there are cases of bad trips um, of people not not really being prepared and their mind going, instead of opening up, going into the darkest, deepest corners of their mind. So there are definitely side effects. These are all things that each individual should study before they use these things. But I do see like overall, like people that I know do it occasionally it helps them find clarity in their lives um and so that you know that's that's something that seems deeply beneficial my me myself um i i don't venture that far yet um i and but it would be curious you know i'm open to to certain things like i'm not open to doing a a line of cocaine, for example, I would never do that. It's just something weird about that to me. Even if it's like you got to try, people say you got to try stuff. I would never do that. You know what I mean? I would never smoke a crack pipe. But if somebody handed me a, a couple like cool looking mushrooms, I eat mushrooms anyways. I, I might, I might consider it if I'm, I'm sold on its, its benefits and I'm being given it, 
given to me by a trained professional. I, I think you mentioned something like some people are starting guided trips um, yeah. a- along this, but it's like everything else. I mean, I, I'm a legalization proponent, right? And I'm a proponent of um, the legalization of marijuana. The second part of this is like the business side of it, right? Which is like we've seen the people who got in from a business standpoint into the mar- the growing marijuana trend early, this could be an area that could be the next explosion from a financial standpoint and an entrepreneurial standpoint. If you really understand the culture and the audience that it caters to and create, um, you know, economic vehicles that support it um, being done in a healthy way. I think that that's, that's a new potential business gateway for people. And also as an investor, there are some publicly traded uh, biomedical stocks that, um, that focus on the, the, on, um, on, on psychedelics. Yeah. A hundred percent, you know, just to point it back, I think um, I want to, I want to comment, you know, first of all, the, the cocaine comments funny because it's like such a different thing, right? Like what's the yeah. intent of taking that? It's almost like a desperation drug. Just yep. to feel like a sense of power, right? But like, yeah. even a hallucinogen or like a psychedelic, you're you're taking that for an introspective reason most of the time. But some people take them for partying and stuff, right? Yeah. So like, you you make a you know a clear point, right? There's substances that can be used to enrich yourself or destroy yourself, and mm-hmm. you know you make that choice every single time. But if you're choosing to destroy yourself with the substance, you are gonna it doesn't matter the substance you are going to find a way to hurt yourself, whether you blow up your relationships, whether you're mean to people that love you, that you're going, you're already on a self-destructive streak. And like, that's my thing with drugs in general is like, we need to solve the mind. We need to not worry about the consequences, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. we're, we're sending people to jail because they're mentally unwell and make a decision to hurt themselves. Right. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me. No, it's, it doesn't. It's just it doesn't. not not the the right problem we're solving. But when we look at psychedelics, what I do get curious about is how heavily you know big pharma will want to participate in this industry, considering it is far deeper in the medical space than marijuana as a substance. And uh, if big pharma does want to participate, um, what we'll see in the media. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll say it now. This clip will probably play in a few years. Uh, but if big pharma is being uh, is taking a step into uh, psychedelics and uh, those types of medicines, there will be tremendous barriers and negative press toward any of the private companies. There will be, you know, it, cases of people dying off of like non, you know, major pharma brand stuff. Uh, there will be a lot of manipulation around it by the government to make sure that we go big pharma or the rules will be set up so that you have to take it from a licensed doctor and the licensed doctors are, you know, from only a certain set that only are paid by these companies. So, you know, watch out for that stuff, guys. Like that's real. It happens every day. That's how the healthcare industry works. It's very, very handled. Yes, it is. It is big money comes with big money comes big controls and uh, a very small number of people who want to reap most of the reward from their benefits. Yeah, dude, I I, de- I definitely feel like this clip is gonna it's gonna age well. I think it will. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep this one aside. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting, fascinating to see. For me, the most curious thing is looking at it from uh, from the lens of an investment 
vehicle because I do think when you understand the culture of it as treatment, when you look at it as treatment, and if it does prove to have positive effects on people who are depressed and unhappy, um, then why wouldn't we advocate for its larger use in controlled and, and good positive environments? Absolutely. Absolutely agree with you. Um, moving forward, uh, you know, there's a proposed tax hike from President Biden on uh, cap gains taxes up to 40, I think it's 43.9 percent. Mm-hmm. Woo. That just hurts to say out loud, bro. Yeah, it hurts. And it, it, it hurts specifically because it's coming from the government, you know, and I and, you know, in our conversations, I always say this, like, I wouldn't care if they taxed me 70 percent if I could see where that tax money was being <laughs> utilized well. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Like if they really made our lives as private individuals and private citizens better, if they improved our healthcare system and made it cheaper for all of us, really cheaper for all of us to access without compromising quality. If they fixed our roads, our bridges, they improved our TSA, they improved our 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 logistics systems and our overall system of infrastructure, if they created more programs that benefited society. But all I'm seeing this money go to is weapons and war and, and elections, quite yeah. honestly. Yeah. So the, the issue is not the tax. The tax is a symptom. And when you're already doing a poor job, this is business, right? Like imagine if you, you have a business, you're an entrepreneur, and it's performing really, really poorly. You missed all your revenue goals. You missed all, all of your, your milestone goals. Yet you come and you ask for more money from your investors. What are your investors going to say? Have to say to that. Yeah. You know, and that's the issue that we have with our American government right now. I think most people who are wealthy would be willing to pay a greater tax, you know, but a lot be quite frank, talking to some of these wealthy people, they believe that they can make more of an impact with their money individually than through the government. And that's yeah. just a sad state that we live in that that's true. And then to say, specifically on capital gains taxes, this isn't ordinary income. To tax capital gains as ordinary income shows a complete lack of awareness uh, and empathy to the risk that an actual investor takes by investing in something and hoping that it's successful because yes you can write off some of your losses against your gains but you are taking an inherent risk there um with your money that's already if it's income has already been taxed to then take that money that you're investing that's already been taxed and, and tax, tax it again, it again is there's something really really wrong with that and it and it showcases you know the deep-seated problem with our government that they really are for themselves and not for the the people. Yeah, and by the way, it's already taxed again. It's just not taxed again at income tax rates, right? Yes, it's taxed now. Gains at 20%. Yeah, to take it to another level, yeah, double that. I mean, that's rough, man. And for for someone like me who's an entrepreneur, you know, a big part of dealing with the you know, emotional, spiritual beatdown you get building a business and disrupting an industry is the the return on the back end. And uh, to see a proposal that would essentially take 20, 23% off of, you know, my potential earnings. I mean, that like had I entered my career 
knowing that these were the tax situations, I don't know if I would have gone for something so ambitious. I would have gone for something that got me some money quickly and just chosen to probably go to a different country and grow it there via trading or something, right? Like the incentive structure changes drastically when you take away the ability for your ownership in a company to return you uh, a reward disproportionately to making income. Because when you equalize those, you take away any incentive that financial incentive, let's say, to start a business because there's no financial difference. Like, of course, you have the ownership and the equity, but to start and grow a disruptive business, the entire play, venture capital, you know, all of these industries work off of this. So, a, a change in, you know, cap gains taxes is very drastic for the financial ecosystem. And for that reason, you know, there's really low likelihood this gets anywhere. You know, I just kind of want to preface that. But I hope this- not. Yeah, I hope not. But you don't know when you when you have a, a president in power who has control of both the House and Senate. If he wants something done, he may get it done. You know, that's true. It's true. But I would say it would be a misstep for his administration. Legacy to make, and legacy. Yeah, yeah this yeah. is not the hill to die on. So I think this is probably a signal for them where they're going to freak everybody out and then propose something a little less like drastic. I think it's going to be somewhere between between 28 and 30 is what they actually yeah. propose. But, you know, I think overall this this shows a fundamental, like you just explained this very well, fundamental disconnect um, between our governments and their understanding of what makes America great. What makes America great is that you know, from nowhere, someone coming up with a a solution to a problem and having an infrastructure and system that's better than the rest of the world in supporting those ideas, right? Um, You have a, a, you have a, a banking system, which people can get debt. Like you said, the venture capital system, but everyone is making these bets on these individuals based on the potential return. If you're making that potential, if you are slicing that potential return in half and you're talking about some of the risky investing in a in a new venture is one of the riskiest things you can already do with your money. Yeah. Um, for a country that's completely built on innovation, even if you look at where we spend our money on defense spending, if we didn't invest in innovation and allow innovators to innovate, and you cut from under them their financial well-being, you're going to create problems. There are other ways to generate and utilize and more efficiently use the money that's already coming in versus first saying, hey, let's let's bring more money in when we're already misappropriating and misusing the money. It just makes no sense, you know? Yeah. And it showcases to me the first time, like, you know, I'm a, a big fan of, of Joe Biden because I look at him as a moderate, right? Um, in terms of what we need right now. But something like this goes so far in the extreme outside of what works for America, understanding what works in America. This isn't just about our personal stories and how much money we keep at the end of the day. It's about how do you keep the machine flowing and going to keep America being the leader in innovation, making us, you know, the the the, the backbone of that in the world. Um, things like this will definitely allow countries like China um, to bridge that gap. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, the biggest thing about this is that if you're on the lower end of the spectrum, right, socioeconomically, and you're trying to grow up the ranks and 
you know, create a new life, create a new outcome for your family and for, you know, for your kids with the way the financial system is structured. The only real gap right now is the mental gap. Like you have to learn it. There's the values. There's like things you have to work through individually to be able to succeed. But the financial architecture is there with a plan like this. Like what what hurts me about the line of thinking is that this is what traps certain communities at the bottom of the spectrum because they don't have the means to generate wealth. Like 40% of a million dollars you could make selling a nail salon in New York that your family's owned for, you know, 20 years is so much bigger to that family than 40% of a hundred million dollars a tech entrepreneur makes. It's just such a big difference. And most tech entrepreneurs come from affluent areas, right? But when you're taking the cap gains, you're really killing the ability for people to go from the lower end of the spectrum to the middle. And that's the most important jump is bottom to middle because middle to top is really, you know, there's, it's, it's kind of more circumstantial, but bottom to middle is the gap you have to solve for in society. You can't let the bottom get too far down. And it's these types of policies that historically have led to these types of slides and declines in the communities. And, you know, my, my view on this election, like it's hard, it was a hard one. Right. But like, I mean, Biden and the Democratic Party have a record of policies that seem good on the surface and just further trap people who are minorities or people who are on the lower end of the financial spectrum into the lives that they're in, whether it's on crime and drugs or if it's on taxes and income. And it's just it's challenging. You bring up a fantastic point, and it actually leads into another article. I I sent you a different headline uh, about the growing um, wealth divide um, within the millennial millennial uh, population, right? People born in the in the eighties and nineties, and, and seeing that what you're saying in real life is true, although there have been progressive progressive policies along the way of the last thirty forty years. Minorities in America um, have are in, have earned much worse of a financial position overall today than they were 30 to 40 years ago. The data supports that. And what is that? It goes back to what you just said is there's a lot of surface level talk that's done by both parties to give votes, but nothing meaningful gets done. It's like they cater to you know, basic needs of people or superficial needs versus creating an environment in which you can catch up, right? It's almost like government's aim is to keep everyone in the pockets that they're in versus allowing it to just be a a natural ecosystem where the cream naturally rises to the crop regardless, right? And and that's, the the data shows it. You know, there's an article, um, I believe it was on NPR, um, if you want to take some time, take a look at it. I don't know if you got a chance to look at it, uh, Partha, but they're saying that, um, for example, in the, the black American community, individuals in the millenn- that fit into the millennial car- category have about 40% less wealth um, than two generations before did. And yeah. if you look at that in the context of America and the progression from slavery to civil rights to where we're at now, the opposite should be true, right? Yeah, I mean, you would think so, but this is the this is the um, you know the big gap 
that politics exploits in in the psyche, right? There's two types of people in the world. We're going to get into this later in our deep dive. But there's the type that expect others to solve their problems, the type that take full accountability and want full control and ownership over their lives, right? That's two yep. different types of people. Yeah, that second type should be incentivized in society and the first type should be set on a journey to become the second type. That's your yep. purpose in society. Education is to wake people up so they become contributing members of society, not just, you know, living in it in a cycle. You get what I mean? Yep. Yeah. So that effort is a huge failure in America. Yes. People don't wake up at all. Like the way our education set structure is set up further exacerbates that. If you look yep. deeper into things like the tax code, there are provisions on provisions to keep people who are poor poor. There's yep. things like generational inheritance tax, which the rich avoid very cleverly through trusts and a variety of other exercises. And if you if you're a lower income and you had a relative who saved up all their money their whole life and wants to pass it on to you, you just lost half of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's you can run down the list, but there are just hundreds and hundreds of ways that the system is set up to keep people in the place that they are. So, you know, it is what it is, right? But like the rules are meant to be changed and we we definitely do need to be having these conversations and taking an honest look at what it takes to actually create wealth because the lack of wealth in the lower income communities also doesn't mean you're supposed to hand money over. That's not that's not how you create wealth. It's like teaching a person to yeah. fish. You have to change the mindset, the way of living and the way things like money flows in that community. But that's that's the amazing part about what I've seen. Like we're talking about the African American community, the black old owned business movement. That's a really cool thing. You know, people are really buying into that. But yeah. when there wasn't much money in the ecosystem anyway, you're kind of stuck where you are and that's a big problem. So you can only create wealth in a, in a closed ecosystem through innovation, through drastic innovation. And that yes. just doesn't necessarily happen in a community like that very quickly for us to see the results in one generation. It would take several. Or on the flip side, you can create better cooperation so the higher higher, you know, income folks spend their money into those communities which, you know, I, I understand why some businesses are doing like DoorDash or Yelp We'll have the black owned business badge, but I I would say, you know, you're kind of further discriminating and segregating there. The more that we talk about our civil rights, the more that we differentiate ourselves from each other, the more that we push, hey, we only buy in our own race, the more other races act the same way. And so you're exacerbating the problem another way like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, these these issues are, are are very deeply rooted. And when you look at our political system, this is how I would frame the issues with both sides, right? On the right, you have the Democrats who, under the guise of, hey, we want to protect free enterprise, are really setting up a system in which they only protect a, those handful of people that that you say the 1% of the 1% who ha who can hire the, the, the CPA firms and the lawyers to stay on top yeah. of the tax codes and the changing systems. And so they, they try to act like they're here for a free market system, So, but they're really not. Right. right. They're there to protect. And that'd the be the Republican side. That would be the Republican mm -hmm. side on the Democrats. Democratic side shows a com another complete fallacy. Right. Which is the thought that they're here for the lower income middle class people. 
and they will say things to get votes, but their policies also are set up to protect specific subgroups within that 1%, but they're just utilizing a different front. Both of them are trying to cater to to lower lower income voters through different vehicles. The, the Republicans through through religion and sometimes race, um, the Democrats through civil rights and through um, th- through those kind of superficial measures that never see any. There's there still aren't any consequences for police officers killing black men, whether it's a, a Democratic president or a Republican president. But yet the Democrats campaign on that. The Republicans on yep. the other end campaign on 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 religion and outsourcing, but they don't. But they are screwing over a lot of their core base of voters that vote for them based on religion and other things outside of the economy. It's, yeah. it's fascinating. A hundred percent. You know, on that note, like that Biden statement that we were talked about last week before they had passed down the um, the judgment on the uh, Chauvin trial. That's yep. the um, police officer up in Minnesota who uh, knelt on and, and killed George Floyd last week was charged. Was that last week? Two weeks ago, last week was charged to um, third degree murder. So, yeah. you know, great. But the bri- the Biden statement prior saying, oh, man, like he should he should. This is like unthinkable. He should definitely be, you know, guilty. Yep. That's very out of character for a president to put out a public statement like that minutes before a statement is made. And that is the prime example of political mo- maneuvering, right? Yep. During an emotional time for an entire race of people who they're not helping policy-wise, yep. they lean on a very vocal, loud thing and put their weight on it. You it know, seems you like know, he does that a lot and it bothers yeah. me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's like that's the machine of politics is that it's not real. It's all, you know, orchestrated to kind of look over here at this thing we're doing because we love you. Oh, just kidding. We pass some tax rules that are going to screw you over for generations. Right. Like that's politics. Yep. Reading the pulse of the room, saying things that that can be distracting enough where the, the room gets occupied by that while you continue to do whatever it is your personal individual agenda is. That's, that's what these politicians do. Yeah. It's crazy. But anyway, I'm glad we're not in those worlds. Yeah. They're fun to to talk about from the outside. Right. hundred percent. And for, you know, for people out there, right. Like just recognize it's noise like that. That stuff is not something you're going to impact unless you have billions of dollars, in which case, you know, call us like, let's talk about it. Right. But (laughs) real talk, like there's very, very little you can do. You know, the, the campaigning, the public demonstrating is all great. You know, it's great to talk about civil rights. It's great to push that agenda forward. It's great to, you know, wake people up to how your life is and build more empathy across our entire society. All of these things add to what we're doing here. But trying to will an election or even living under the premise that one party is good and one party is bad is a naive way to live your life. And, you know, what we're trying to do here is just show you that. It's more about taking accountability, taking ownership for your life and understanding that you can't control a lot of what's going on, but you can control how you treat people and you can control, 
you know, how people feel when they're around you by being a genuinely mm-hmm. good, happy together person. And, you know, that that's the thing. Like when you achieve that, you'll start to notice the rest of this fades away. Yeah, very true. Very true. I mean, it's it you started the conversation with people who who kind of see problems versus people who kind of see the solutions and control what they can control. Um, and it's really, really hard um, to change much more than yourself. Um, and if you start there, though, and you actually do succeed, as you said, in changing yourself, then it becomes easier to help change others. Yeah. And that's a, that's a secret hack, too, that I think a lot of people people get, get lost in the noise of, of media and what drives attention um, is actually thinking about what are their goals, you know? Um, and how do I actually fix these problems versus just add noise to the problems? And the people who are actually fixing them usually don't get the headlines. You know, Absolutely. that's the unfortunate truth. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, kind of moving this thing forward, we've been on news and notes for a minute. You want to hit any other headlines, V? Anything important to you? Uh, you want to talk about the, the super moon? Let's do it. So uh, did you see it last night? Did you get a good view of it? I saw a little bit, but I didn't get too much. I was inside. Yeah, supermoon is a is an interesting thing because there's obviously just the natural beauty of it, and then there's also kind of like the deeper philosophical, astrological meaning of these things, which is something that's deeply rooted in our in our our religion and our country's spirituality. Right, is the impact of of these natural, beautiful things happening on your mentality and your mindset. Um, and I think they say that the supermoon uh, presents an opportunity for people to look internally and observe um, what's going on in their lives, take, take accountability for that, and work through it internally, right? You're supposed to spend some time sitting um, and looking at the moon. Um, and just if you do that, it's fascinating. I I don't know about all this like hokey stuff like you like to call it, but I I genuinely feel it. I know that when I was looking at the moon last night, I felt a different sense of peace, a different sense of clarity um, than I've felt in in the days prior, specifically the day prior, because when I got back from LA, you know, my mind was kind of moving chaotically because there are so many different things that I was trying to figure out how to piece together, but it did give me some clarity. You know, um, and and so I don't know if you're a believer in those things, but uh, it's something we're going to talk about just because it's something that we do believe in. You know, and there's not enough said about our connection to the moon either, because if you think about it, right, every person is born from a woman. A woman's cycles are tied in with the moon. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're completely linked. You know, life on this planet started after a moon was spinning. So, the moon's gravity has to have some impact on us mm-hmm. the same way it does on the tides. But we just don't understand that impact to you know a, an extreme degree. We just understand some parts of it astrologically. But uh, there is a lot of power in understanding your connection to the moon and just spending time dwelling on that. Because as living beings on Earth, uh, the moon has a special you know, a special way of interacting with us at all points of its cycle, just by the fact that, you know, we, we came from 
you know, a being that was connected to it. And if you look at, um, yeah, man, if you, <laughs> just I, I really like the moon in our culture, they say a thousand eight cycles of the moon, which is like twenty eight days, is a mm-hmm. full lifetime. And so there's a belief that if you spend a thousand and eight lunar cycles on Earth, which is about eighty four years that your soul is ready to transcend the body and you know, move on to the afterlife. And so um, that happens whether you're spiritually woke or not. It's just a natural th- unwinding that, um, you know, the, the Hindus believe happens. So, uh, you know, just a, a fun thing to share. But the moon definitely holds a lot of significance in, uh, mm-hmm. in my upbringing. Yes, these things do not, you know, they only happen... Uh, every once in a blue moon, I used it <laughs> for a reason. <laughs> um, taking some time even from to understand them, like it's amazing for me to look back and understand that a lot of these moons got their names, like the pink moon is what this one was called, because that's how Native Americans used to be able to tell time too. Mm. Um, going circling back, that's how they named based based on the moon they were in they were able to tell a season and what part of the year they were in because they didn't have a calendar that's that was listed from 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 january to december you know and i thought yeah i just think all these things like when you look back at ancient history before we had even like some of the most basic technology the ways in which people still understood those things always amazed me yeah yeah me too man well on that note let's lean into a little break you know, take a take a second if you're listening at night and look out the window. Maybe grab a grab some of that moon energy. The lunar you got another energy. big one coming in May too, so you got we're double dipping. <laughs> we'll be right back for our deep dive. Show the Pilot Boys some love by getting some of our exclusive merch at shop.pilotboys.com. You're listening to the Pilot Boys podcast. Hey guys, this is Partha. You might know me as a pilot boy, but I'm also the CEO of Lasso. Lasso is a high-performance lifestyle brand that makes the Lasso Sock 2.0, the most functional sock ever to help you stay moving on any adventure you choose. Lasso uses patented compression technology with scientifically proven ankle stability to support key ligaments and tendons as well as moisture-wicking materials and built-in strike padding, so every single step is stable, soft, and cool. Lasso socks are also used to treat foot and ankle conditions like plantar fasciitis, Achilles pain, ankle soreness, circulation issues, and more. Check them out at lassogear.com or at lassogear on social media. Undo Media is proud to be the production partner for the Pilot Boys. Storytelling is what they do. From video production, podcasting, and consulting, Undo Media's focus is on telling your story. Find out why four Emmys and hundreds of clients will back up why you should contact Undo Media for your next project. Look them up at undomedia.com. What's up, V? Are you ready for this? I'm definitely ready for this, man. It's, I feel like we've talked about it enough over the last week to to be ready for a a, a PhD <laughs> discussion <laughs> level level discussion on this. This is the permanent, like, uh, you know, it's funny. It's like, I noticed that I get frustrated by like the difference in the mindsets, but I only get frustrated because I know that I still carry tendencies of the mindset I don't want. So exactly. yeah, that's that's the only reason you would ever treat something not with total love because it's, you know, it's something you don't like about yourself. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> that is dead on. Yeah, that is dead on. But it's a lot to unpackage, like everything in life, right? Um, yeah. So 
So let's uh, frame it. You want to you want to start with uh, the article you found, V, and how how we had framed it in that. Yeah, basically, it's it's packaging the difference in mindset between how an entrepreneur thinks and versus how an employee thinks. And just to give this context, we're not going to say one is right or wrong, but we will kind of. Partha and I are both proponents in looking and understanding the world around us, that having an entrepreneurial mindset versus having an employee mindset overall and thinking, those tools and that mindset is more conducive to being successful in an ever-changing world um, in which the rules are changing, which the guidelines are changing, which the technology is changing. Having an entrepreneurial mindset is a better mindset to be able to digest all of those things. Um, and that's what we truly believe. Um, now, Partha, you can kind of get into like breaking breaking this down and how the article structured it. And then we can kind of within those within those parameters have our discussion. Yeah. Um, I'm going to not read the full article because it's... There's no it's, reason to read it. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty, I just pretty wanted, long. I sent that. I sent that to just frame like the main yeah. like, boxes, yeah, so that we could we could organize our discussion. But any of the of the the body within those, I don't really want to talk about because I don't even agree with everything that was said. Yeah, there. cool. I'm glad we're on the same page. Um, <laughs> that what I will say is this: I, I'm not going to say it's better or worse either, but I will say it's better for our society. Yes, from a success standpoint, to have like the the entrepreneur. I don't even want to call it an entrepreneur mindset because not a lot of entrepreneurs have it. Yeah, we're all working toward it, right? Yeah, maybe we talk about. I mean, it's, it's owner versus employee, right? But it's it's um kind of a deeper thing than that because it goes into how you interact in daily life, how you use your time, how you use your yes. energy, where are you living, what's going on, and you know the for me the best way to. Uh, explain it is whether somebody tends to live more in their head or more in the world. Yeah. That's the key difference. Mm -hmm. If you live more in your head, you you tend to be an employee. If you live more in the world, you tend to be someone who's executing, building things, doing things. You tend to be very successful. Um, the reason why is, yeah, it's just like the simplest thing ever. You have a certain amount of energy every day. Are you going to spend that energy thinking about what could possibly happen? Or are you going to spend that energy doing things and then understanding what happens when you do those things and learning how the world works, right? That's yes. the two ways to go about life. And it's like so simple when I put it at that high level. And, you know, many of you probably are thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, I do that all the time. But you're, yeah. you're probably not doing that. And like, no. I'll, I'll tell you that because I think that all the time and I'm not doing that. Yeah. I mean, just this past week, we were able to observe things within each other in terms of still being trapped in that mindset. And the truth is that I think a lot of people get intimidated by breaking themselves down and learning things anew. Um, the problem that I think we have in society, and it goes back to the earlier conversation in terms of how society is structured for its humans and citizens to grow. Right. And unfortunately, in our society, from the time we are born, 
um, even in how we're developed, right? It's, it's a structure in how you're supposed to develop a child from one to five, from five to 10 when they get into puberty. It's all a structure that we're all supposed to somehow fit into and our systems are built that way. And so if that's what's repeated to you over and over and over again for the first 18 to 22 years of your life, that's a lot of unboxing and unpackaging to do because one, there's the mental hurdle of damn, this shit is what I've been taught for 22 years. I have to learn all this shit again. The financial part of it, which is I invested all this fucking money into into school and college, and now you're telling me that that shit was all useless. Yeah, like these are the things that you go through, and I have two degrees, you know, that I invested in, and I've always and I've always been a proponent of saying I gain more practically and network wise from getting those degrees than I learned within the classroom through either of those degrees, you know. But it took me actually being willing to say I didn't, hey, I might not have learned shit in college to be able to embrace that. And that's a difficult thing to do because we're taught to value our accomplishments, that they mean something. When you get a high school diploma and you graduate, you know, summa cum laude, or you get a degree as in a specific field, suddenly you're told you're an expert in this field, but then they're told, then they tell you, but go get a job. Um, with some some company that's going to sp- only use your your skills in a very specific way. That's the problem. That's the trap. That employee mindset. You can be successful as an employee, at least relatively successful, right? Because they change the goal structure for you in your life versus finding your purpose. It's all about survival. It's yep. about when you come out of college, you're riddled with this debt. So what do you have to do? I can't be an entrepreneur. I have to go get a job. That's why I invested in this degree, right? I need to pay back this debt. Then you get the job. You're making $50,000 a year out of college. You feel good about yourself. You get the $2,000 a month apartment, paying your student loans back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that cycle continues throughout your life where there's all these things that are set as goals for you that you're supposed, and most people don't think to question that because they're so trapped in the system that they acknowledge it. They accept the system without even knowing it. And that determines the rest of their lives. Yeah. And you know, the other way to say it is stop doing things other people are doing because other people are doing them. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I have a friend um, I was hanging out with this weekend and he does really, really well for himself. Really successful guy says to me, man, I just want to pay off all my student loans. Yeah, I was like, why? And he's like, well, I refinanced them. So my interest rate's basically nothing, but I just don't want it hanging over your head. I was yeah. like, you're the one making it hang over your head with the interest rate you're paying on your student loans. Don't fucking yeah. pay that off. You know what I mean? Put your money yeah. in the market. It's a far better investment than paying off a super low leverage of debt that really has very little consequences in the long term. If you miss it, there's a ton of student loan forgiveness and you could flake on a ton of that. You know what I mean? So here's so funny and so right about the student loan thing, because like you said, it is the lowest interest loan you can get. And it's funny. I've had this conversation multiple times, which is you're not stressed about that credit card that has like 20% interest. Yeah. That that you got to pay back. You're like, oh, it's only a uh, only a hundred bucks of interest this month. Yeah. It's a hundred bucks. 
but I think there's something to be said with the the, the sheer amount of student yeah. loan debt and what that does to you psychologically. That again is an employee mindset trick, right? Like yeah. you actually feeling the weight of that debt ver- is what makes you go and find a stable job which, versus how do I use this stuff that I cared about? Hopefully you got a degree in something you care about and you genuinely are passionate about versus asking the question of how do I use this thing to enhance my life, my family's life and the people that are directly around me. Your thought immediately goes to how do I help this multi-billion dollar corporation get even wealthier by getting paid 50,000 and they're extra. And this is the part of it that really gets people is and what got me is when I really realized the value that was being extracted from my work versus what I was being paid. Because the only reason a company is going to pay an employee is if they can make a profit off of that employee, oh, yeah. right? And so when you saw that, my salary versus what I knew when I was physically able because I was in a sales-based business, my actual economic impact versus what I got paid for that, I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. And that's when yeah. I walked away from from that world. It's it's I I will not allow that should allow you to see what your value is. You know, we had yeah. this conversation the other day with one of our musician friends, Nevin. You know, um, in terms of if all of these people in the industry are telling you you're great, then you have to acknowledge you're great and move accordingly. Right? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, what- that's the thing, right? That's the scariest part for everybody is making the jump because you have to have total courage or faith that it's going to work out. And oftentimes, if you stay with an open mind, success is much easier to find on your own than it is you know, trying to find a job. It honestly is. But we're also closed off to the ways it can find us that we don't we don't do anything, you know. We'll get an opportunity like if I was a photographer, right? I wanted to quit my job, you know. Maybe somebody says, "Hey, can you shoot my weddings?" But I want to be like an artistic photographer. I say, yeah. "Oh, no, I'm not doing that." Why? Like I just turned down some money, right? Yeah. But it's like it's those things that we plan in our mind like, "Oh, I'm not that kind of photographer. I'm this kind of photographer." Well, yeah. actually, you've shot zero photos, so you're not any kind of photographer. Yep. Might as well take the money and get the work, right? Yeah. And learn along the way and build a build an identity for yourself. But the challenge for people is that it's hard to lead when you don't know what you're leading for. You need some sort of purpose. You need a direction. You need something to build. And so if you don't have that, a job or you know any sort of comparable situation where somebody else drives for you on your life is a good place to figure out what you want to do. But yep. you got to figure out what you want to do. And then once you figure it out... That's the next step. Then you take that into the world and you say, okay, now I have this purpose and this goal. I'm going to use my skills to get there. And that's when you make the switch. But yep. the transition, in my opinion, from that employee mindset to like really living your own life, you know, letting others live for you or like drive your life versus you taking the wheel, that's it's as simple as you deciding to take the wheel and not letting anyone else make decisions for you anymore. Yeah. That is a one hundred percent what it is, and then I think the other thing that scares people that you, you and I hear a lot from people is that what am I going to do? You know, um, I'm not. There's nothing guaranteed about being an entrepreneur. Well, you didn't ask yourself that question when you spent four years not making any money and going into debt, going to college, right? 
And the truth is that money that was used, you could go to a library. If you've already gone through high school and know how to learn and, and study, you could follow a curriculum of any college and learn everything that you need to do without that piece of paper. And if you do that and you apply it, that's the thing that I don't understand with people is that they can go to college and go into debt without thinking about the albatross of that is, but they're not as willing to start from zero, not even from debt, from zero to start a business that they're passionate about, that they care about and impact the world that will change their complete mindset, impact the world in a positive way. Why people can see that that difference when there really isn't. I actually think yeah. going that that academic route is more of an albatross than taking a bunch of risks and one of them eventually working out, you know? Yeah, 100%. Plus, those risks aren't as risky as going to a university, you know, getting a degree and then not really having any sort of clear way to stand out amongst everybody else who's applying for the same position, right? Like, yeah. What what's the point of just mixing in with the pack when you're trying to stand out and be yourself in life? And like that's that's to me the other part of it too is you can't ever lead by fitting in. You know, you no, have you to can't. choose to stand out. And that's yep. scary because your body doesn't want to do that. The animal we inhabit tells you every single day, I want to fit into the tribe. Don't get me yep. kicked out because if I get kicked out, I'll die. Yeah. We know in in 2021 that's not how things work like you're not gonna die if you know your college friends don't want to hang out with you anymore because there's other people that want to hang out with you there's an internet to meet people there's a million ways that you can build a community around yourself but you got to stand for something and you got to be strong in what you want to do yeah and you have to be a leader right like your tribe because if you stand out and you do that and this is how most of these these businesses get built built right? Amazon has 800,000 employees now. Jeff Bezos spent probably 20 years of his life as his only employee. He probably had, he probably talked to himself in the mirror for years. You yeah. know what I mean? But now he's the, 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 the richest man in the world. And that's what living your truth does for you, right? Is the people that are meant to come in, it puts you in a position to receive. I think the employee mindset, you're always seeking something, right? Mm-hmm. versus receiving what what what's meant to come to you. And I think that that's a unique and and you also package it well which is if you're all if everyone's chasing the same goals not everyone can accomplish that goal, right? There's only yep. going to be there's only going to be one partner, you know, or one president or one CEO within there's only so far you can you can go, right? Chasing. But if you're creating you can determine every single person around you what role they play in your life, right? And it can be a horizontal relationship versus a vertical a vertical relationship too. And that's very important too from a mindset standpoint is when you set up a hierarchy or a power structure, the power structure even overtakes the business because people within the business are more concerned about going up the hierarchy than whether the business is a successful business or not. And when your employees are thinking like that, that's what will cause problems within your business. And that's also kind of my segue into saying why we believe the entrepreneur. I don't what what are we calling? I don't even use the word entrepreneur, the phrase entrepreneur mindset, but the mentality, right? The mentality is important to have that mentality of ownership 
of your life because as you see all around you, a lot of these big corporate power structures, they reinvent themselves. They fail, you know, and in the future, in a future that's as, as, as dependent on technology as we are, the young and the innovative lead, not the old and stuck in their ways. That is where we're headed as a society because that's where the disruption is happening. So if you have an employee mindset, there may not be a job for you 10 years from now, right? The, the standard, oh, I'm going to graduate. I'm going to go to a consulting firm. I'm going to go to investment bank. Those jobs might all be automated too, right? Even these high level, high level degrees from high level institutions may become null and void. So now is the time. I feel like our academic system needs to change. So many things need to change, but the change can only start at this point within you and your family, right? Yeah. If you are a parent, how you raise your kids to think that way versus thinking like an employee, encourage your kids to pursue their passions, encourage, encourage your kids to kind of think outside the box, you know, structure is important, but you've got to encourage free thinking. And I don't think that that's done enough. Um, and that's what's really going to re- lead to problems for our people. If you're trained to be an employee and there are no jobs, how are you going to survive? That's what you've yep. been trained to be, be your whole life. And if you've got doubt, if you overthink, you get rid of that right away. Because yep. if you're not confident enough to choose the direction you're going and just go that way, no matter what, you're not going to make it in this world. Like that's, that's just the simple fact of it. Like yep. if so many people I meet expect the older people to have all of the ideas, right? Yeah. But since when was time in an industry a qualifier for having a great perspective has never been mm-hmm. correlated, right? Usually it's the opposite way. When people have been in an industry too long, they tend to only think one way and not be productive for solving problems or having good ideas. So for everyone listening, you are only required to be a leader to the people of your generation and younger, yeah. not anyone older. The older people are fading away as new generations come in. So if you're not leading you know, your community, your generation, you're not leading anything. The more yeah. you doubt, the more you you know expect others to handle stuff for you, that's living like a child at the end of the day, waiting for your parents yeah. to handle everything. And it's just not a way to succeed in this society. Not at all. Not at all. And that's why, like, take away the, 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 the word entrepreneur and employee in front of this thing and just say, hey, how I've learned and who I am, is it suitable to be successful moving forward? Not in the present, yeah. not in the past, but is it, do you really think I know more people than ever, even highly educated people that are scared they're going to lose their job and whether that's going to continue to be an option for them. How am I going to pay back my student debt? All of those things, if you're thinking about it and you're thinking about this, your current situation, your logic is telling you it might not exist. You better figure out the solutions now or you're going to be trapped. You're going to be trapped and you're going to be left behind. I hate to be frank, but that's just... Just the reality of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, it is, we speak with a sense of urgency because there is a sense of urgency to this this process. Like the faster you wake yourself up, take some ownership of your life, make everything 
you know, get accountable for everything, then the faster you'll get to the goals you're trying to see and the pace you'll move will, will be shocking to you. I mean, yes. it's, it's crazy how fast things work when you're sure of who yep. you are. Yep. Yep. And you're going to get, you're going to hit, hit, hit boundaries. You know, like you said, it's a process. Most of us go through 18 to 22 years of being reared and structured. It's going to take time to unpackage that. Don't get so caught up when you quit your job. I need to be making, making it back next week or next month or next year. Remember that it is a process. The number of years you've spent thinking some way, it's going to take some time to reverse course. So don't, that's the other thing. Don't be impatient in this process. Take the first step and own the fact that there's a lot for you to learn and just absorb and learn. That's what changed my life. And I'm sure what changed your life. And when you dropped out of college, a hundred percent. And just to your point, being receptive to outside information doesn't mean everything that everyone says to you is right. But just the mm -hmm. fact that you're able to ask questions and receive gives you an advantage because you get everyone spilling all of their experiences and stories and tips and tricks to you. So your yep. arsenal of information you're operating on is much greater than anybody else's. Yeah. And that's my favorite thing to do when I have a conversation with a person, right? Is especially someone I try, I, I try not to surround myself with people that don't interest me at this point, right? Or intrigue me, but you ask someone how they've become successful. That question, if you ask those and stay in those lines, you'll be amazed at the number of powerful people um, that you will develop in your network. Just be yeah. curious about, you know, you know v, that I, I just, you said something interesting that you don't surround yourself anymore with people that don't interest you or intrigue you, right? Yeah. I think that's another part of this is you are the five people you're around the most, right? So yeah. you have to look for people you want to be like and just do what it takes to be around them. Yep, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That, that's a point that, you know, we're like, I'm all about the high level conversation, but the tactical pieces. Like when I started my business, I sat outside somebody's office every day for a week to get a meeting. Yeah. Like six, seven hours a day, I just sat there and did my work, waiting for him to like have time to meet with me because he mm -hmm. wouldn't respond to my emails. Like the extra steps of making sure you get to where you're trying to go matter. And it shows up with persistence and motivation and inspiration and all of that. And it's okay to listen to an inspirational video and all of that. But the red flags for you in your mind, or if you're feeling a lot of self-doubt, if you're getting negative thoughts, if you feel like the world's against you or any sort of like, if you feel sorry for yourself at all, then that is your mind playing a trick on you. That's your mind mm -hmm. telling you that it doesn't want to you know, go through this growth and it's got you in a negative feedback loop. So that should be a signal. Anytime you feel yourself feeling sorry for yourself or bad for yourself, that's a signal that you've got some stuff you got to work out. Yeah. Yep. Because that's, that's the truth. How you handle that, that part of your mind and control that the faster everyone goes to that point, right? Even successful entrepreneur, Jeff Bezos still has this problem. Elon Musk still has this problem. When you wake up and your mind is in a negative place and you have to actually, the difference between successful people and other people is they recognize it and they take the steps to work themselves out of that. And also they don't make decisions when they're in that mindset, right? Yep. Some people will just keep going. They don't 
recognize, hey, this is a bad day for me. Maybe I shouldn't make really consequential decisions today. That's another part of it um, that I think I think is is important. But this is all about ownership, right? And accountability, it seems like more than anything else, taking accountability seems to be the theme that we're we're hit trying to hit home here. It's it's all the old school values, you know, treat other people well, you know, be the one in the front of the group or in the back if you need to be, right? Leaders eat last, yeah. you know, that whole yep. concept. I mean, make your bed every day. You know, the fundamental things in life that you're taught as a child are the the actual habits of the most successful in our society. And you mm-hmm. just you just don't catch it. And don't confuse success for money because no. it's not the same thing. It definitely isn't. It definitely isn't. What you, it's so funny when you see some of these creative fields, right? Like artists, for example, music artists. Almost all of the ones that are successful have, have a true passion. They're not looking at this as a business opportunity. Yeah. They even the even the guys that are they un, they have a love and passion for music. They also just seem to have business sense. The Jay Z's yeah. of the world, too, you know. But they what what brings them what brings them all together in confusion is when when the money comes in, right? Mm-hmm. Versus just continuing to do the work. The artists that just continue to do the work and continue to provide great great content, they make money. And it's not yeah. stressful. It's not as stressful, right? It's like you don't have to worry about who's screwing because you built it yourself. Yeah. And I think a lot of artists and painters, you're seeing it now with the peoples of the world. The artists who really took the time, are my friend Tilla, um, who came over the other Shout day. Shout out Tilla. You just look at the process they went through. What If you, you sat and you talked to the guy, what drives him more than anything? He wants to continue to develop his creativity and 10 years later now this nft space comes and he's reaping these huge rewards that he never reaped before but if he hadn't put in the 10 10 years of work to get here it wouldn't have value and that's the other part of it. a lot of people see a new trend and they think oh i'm just going to make an nft and put it out there and make sell 60 sell for 68 million they don't realize the people for years Four yeah. to five years, I think, on his Instagram was posting his art for free. So he built a community. So when people, that is a reflection on the value he created to his consumers and his fans that it would sell that much. Yeah. And that is, that's where money becomes valuable, right? Because it does place a value on how much people value you, but he did five years of free work to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Straight up, man. Straight up. Well, I think that was a powerful conversation on on this mindset stuff. Um, hopefully, that was valuable to everybody listening. I w- we'll probably do a part two on this or some some sort It'll of probably more be ongoing. Segment. Yeah, it's kind of the theme actually of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of these yeah. are going to get repetitive, specific things in which we reinforce over principles that we're working through. But it's great for us yeah. to go through these conversations too, man. Like, yeah. It helps. It helps us to grow and get better at, you know, what we do. It does. It does. On that note, we finish another episode of the Pilot Boys podcast. As always, we tell you to stay moving. Keep going through your days. Don't pause too much. And always remember to be you because you was fly. Pilot Boys out. Pilot Boys out.
probably push me, get on my 